1: Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome back to Inside Arsenal. It is Friday. We are at the end of another working week. We are now just one day away from Arsenal returning to Premier League action with that game against Crystal Palace at the Emirates tomorrow. Lunchtime kickoff bright and early for that one. Mikel Arteta will be speaking a little bit later on today at London Colney. I will be making my way there in uh, well about an hour's time after recording this video so uh, hopefully we'll get a second video from me a little bit later on today reacting to what Mikel had to say in his press conference we'll surely get, sure get the latest team news from him find out how everyone is after the trip to Dubai of course probably get updates on the likes of Thomas Party, uh, Alexander Zinchenko of course um, you're in Timber after that video, which got everyone excited and him uh, working very, very hard in Dubai as well. So lots to discuss with Mikel Arteta. Like I said, that's 30 pm That gets underway today at London Colony. I shall be there. So keep your eyes peeled on my socials for all the very latest from that. But today, I just wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about tomorrow's game, looking at some of the big decisions facing Mikel Arteta ahead of that game against Crystal Palace. Who does he play? What system does he go for? There are some key decisions that he has to make. Hopefully he gets them right. And hopefully it leads to Arsenal getting back to winning ways and getting back to scoring goals, which has obviously been a big, big problem for Arteta's side. Like I said, plenty for him to sort of mull over in the next 24 hours or so. I'm sure he's been doing a lot of it while the team has been away in Dubai working out exactly what's going on at the moment, why things have slowed up, why the goals have dried up, why the defence is beginning to leak a few goals, especially from set pieces. There would have been lots for him and his coaching staff to think about. And he's got some big decisions to make tomorrow when it comes to his starting lineup. Obviously, Gabriel Jesus is back training now, which is a good, good thing. He missed a couple of games with that knee injury. Did train over in Dubai, so I expect... He will probably start. That is one of the decisions facing Mikel Arteta ahead of the game tomorrow. What does he do with that central striking position he played? Went with Kai Havertz against Liverpool. I thought Havertz had a good game against Liverpool, aside from the finishing. Of course, he missed a couple of chances, but he was far from alone when it comes to that. Everyone missed chances in that game, it felt like. Um, but I thought his actual performance in that central striker role um, with everything but the goals, and I know the goals are obviously the most important part, um, but I thought he played very, very well. I thought he gave Arsenal a bit of a different option in that striker's role. So Mikel has to decide, what do you do? Do you continue a have up front or do you bring Gabriel Jesus back in? I think it will be the latter. I'll be surprised if Jesus doesn't come straight back into this side, providing, of course, he is considered 100% fit. If he is, I just think, given he'll have had a whole sort of week and a half of training under his belt, that he'll just walk straight back into this starting eleven and join up with Bukaya Saka and Gabriel Martinelli in attack. There'll be lots of focus on those three going into the game tomorrow, given the lack of goals this season, given it is obviously the big, big talking point when it comes to Arsenal right now, is the lack of goals. They're going to be under the spotlight. They will know that, that. I'm sure they've been talking a lot about it while they've been away in Dubai, trying to work out how to get back on the score sheet, how to kind of break the sort of mental block. And I do think it will be, you know, psychologically, it was. I think that's a big part of what's going on at Arsenal at the moment when it comes to scoring goals. Mikel Arteta spoke about it after the Liverpool game, that it was, he felt, probably a bit of a psychological problem. Because we know they can score goals. They did it last season. They all scored plenty of goals last season. And you throw Martin Odegaard into the mix with that as well. They're just not scoring at that sort of rate this season. And They're missing chances that last season they would have scored. There's definitely a mental side of things. Yes, Arsenal perhaps aren't playing at their fluent best going forward this season, especially when you compare some of the attacking displays they produced last season. But they still are creating chances where they should be scoring more goals than they have. Um, And we've seen that in the recent games against West Ham and Liverpool especially. So they can do it. It's just a case of getting score. I think if they score an early goal tomorrow, it will be so, so important for them. It will just take that weight off the shoulders a little bit. And then hopefully they can just calm down the confidence will come back and then the goals will flow and three points will follow. So, yeah, I think Gabriel Jesus walks into that. I mean, if he if he does, then it's the case of what do you do in midfield? Because Kai Havertz obviously um, played up front in that game against Liverpool, that saw Jorginho brought into the middle when he played alongside Declan Rice in that role. And he had Odegaard kind of playing ahead of him in the number 10 role. It was a bit of a change in the system. For that one but if Jesus starts as a central striker then what Mikel Arteta does in midfield is going to be really really important. Now I have spoken a bit on this channel in the last sort of two weeks or so about how I think Jorginho has been a little bit underused this season and I was happy that he came in against Liverpool. I know not everyone agrees, I read the comments to the videos, I know Definitely 100%, not everyone agrees with that. But I thought Jorginho played well against Liverpool. I thought in the absence of Thomas Partey, he probably should have been used a little bit more. And when he has been used, I think he's played pretty well and he's given something. He's given Arsenal a little bit more control in that midfield and he's given Arsenal the ability to sort of move the ball a little bit quicker in midfield. So what does Mikel Arteta do? That's what he's going to have to decide against Palace. Do you kind of stick with that midfield and, and that system really? that he went with against Liverpool, which was much more of a flat back four. And then the two holding midfielders in Jorginho and Rice closer together. And then he had Odegaard in more of a natural number 10 position with the forwards uh, and sort of either side and in front of him. Does he do that or does he kind of revert to type and go back to that 4-3-3 that we're very accustomed to with Arsenal? And that would mean playing Kai Havertz moving him away from the central striker position, of course, because Gabriel Jesus is there and then playing him alongside Odegaard in one of those two number eights with Declan Rice in the sort of holding role behind them. So that's what he's going to have to decide. I thought Arsenal played well against Liverpool in that, with that kind of four, two, three, one system. I like the fact that it was just something a little bit different. And Jurgen Klopp spoke about it after the game that he was surprised about Arsenal, how Arsenal set up. He kind of described it as a 4-2-2-2, 2 two, 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 didn't he? Um, and, You know, for all the talk in the summer of some of the transfers that Arsenal made and what the big plan was, was to make them a little bit more unpredictable. That's kind of gone out the window a bit this season because of the injuries, because of the unavailability. Some really key players that give Arsenal that unpredictability in terms of how they can set up and how they can play. They have fallen back into that trap of being a little bit predictable in terms of how they're going to set up and who's going to start. And against Liverpool, it was just a little bit different and it definitely caught Liverpool by surprise. And had Arsenal had their scoring boots on in that game... And I think it would have won them the game because Liverpool, it took them 60 minutes or so to kind of work it out a little bit and grow into the game. And by that time, you know, Arsenal should have been out of sight. So it's going to be a big decision, I think, for Mikel Arteta to make there. You know, it, it, we're so used to the 4-3-3 that we kind of take it as a given now. But I thought that was a good little shake-up against Liverpool. And it'll be interesting to see if he does that again. Let me know what you guys think on that. Do you want to go back to the 4-3-3 or would you kind of like the system that Mikel played against Liverpool? And do you think Jorginho and Rice... Um, could work tomorrow? Or do you think that's probably a little bit too safe, a little bit too, I don't know if negative's the word, but probably more safe uh, when you're playing at Crystal, against a struggling Crystal Palace side at home? Do you think the yeah, extra option, extra attacking option of having Kai Havertz there uh, makes Arsenal a little bit stronger? Um, I think it will probably go back to the four-three-three. I I think. But we'll, we'll wait and see. Obviously, a lot's going to depend... Defensively on the fitness of Alexander Zinchenko, we'll get an update from Mikel a little bit later on today on that. Um, as far as I'm aware, he's certainly considered a doubt for this game, but we'll see if he's made it. You know, you never know. He's obviously not been in any of the training pictures or the training videos, but you've got to take that with a little bit of pinch of salt at times for Arsenal. If there's any player who's an in injury doubt, they'll always be, they'll always the photographer and the videos they'll always be told to avoid them in the clips just because they don't want to give anything away ahead of the upcoming game and give the opposition any clues in terms of who is going to play. So just because he's not in that, those clips doesn't mean he's definitely out this weekend. It just means that Arsenal could potentially be trying to uh, pull the war over Crystal Palace's eyes a little bit, because they definitely do look at things like that. And Mikel Arteta is very hot on that when it comes to training pitches and things. Um, but he is a doubt. And if he doesn't play, you would think it's probably going to be Jakob Kivior. I don't really see who else it could be, to be honest. Um, and again, Maybe the change in system against Liverpool was because Mikel looked at it and thought, you know what, Kivior really struggled trying to play the inverted left-back role against Fulham. He came off at half-time in that game. Then he played him again against Liverpool, but this time it was much more as a traditional left-back. He didn't really give him the responsibility of coming into the midfield because he didn't need to, because he had Declan Rice and Jorginho playing there together as a pair. Um, And if Zinchenko is out tomorrow, then it could be interesting, you know, is that, is the whole Kivior thing going to lead to Mikel sticking with that sort of system and allowing him just to be more of a traditional left back, not making him get forward as much, potentially even sort of switching the thing ground a little bit and having, if you want it inverted fullback, you can have Ben White over on the right hand side doing it more than Kivior does it. But if you've got Jorginho and Rice in there, you probably don't need to do that so um, as much and it would be good to see. Ben White getting on the overlap rather than coming inside, I have to say, because that has been one thing that has been very much missed when it comes to Arsenal so far this season, in terms of my opinion. This is the predicted eleven I have gone for. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see it on the graphic in front of you. This is what I think Mikel is going to do. Like I said, this is not necessarily what I would do. This is what I predict Mikel Arteta is going to go for tomorrow. Now, I'm presuming Zinchenko is injured. You know, that's not me saying he's definitely injured. I'm just presuming he's injured. So that's why I've gone for the back four that I have. So Raya, I'm going for in goal. Back four of Ben White, Saliba, Gabriel, and then Kivior as the left back. I think he's going to go Rice, Havertz, Odegaard, despite everything I've just said about how I'd kind of like to be Jorginho. So yeah, I'm going for midfield of Rice in the holding role, Odegaard and Havertz playing ahead of him in the two sort of number eight roles. And I'm going Saka, Jesus and Martinelli. I'd be surprised if it's not that, but you know, there is some decisions for Mikel to make. So it could be very, it could look a little bit different. But that's the 11 I'm going for Raya White, Saliba, Gabriel, Kivior, Rice, Odegaard, Havertz, then Saka, Jesus, and Martinelli. Let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Is that the predicted 11 you reckon he'll go for? If not, what do you think he will go for or what do you think he should go for? Let me know as always in the comments below.
0: If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: Questions and comments. Not too much going on in the world of transfers right now for Arsenal. Few interesting lines elsewhere. I saw Bayern Munich today sniffing around Kieran Trippier at Newcastle. That's an interesting one. Thomas Tuchel, love him bringing in the English players at the moment. First Harry Kane, then Eric Dyer and Kieran Trippier. Interesting to see if Newcastle will do that. We know they do have to sell some players. They've admitted it themselves if they want to do any transfer business. And when you look at Trippier, as good as he is... Um, has important a player and he has been a massively important player for them coming in and sort of starting on the starting off the the kind of revamp after the takeover um you know they might look at it and think you know what he's aging he's in well into his 30s if Bayern come in and offer some decent money maybe that will allow them to reinvest a little bit so it would be interesting to see what they do with that one but other than that not too much going on it's like Tottenham are maneuvering themselves to sign that um young Norwegian winger, it's M- Moussa isn't it um does look hell of a talent really uh, skillful young left winger. It looks like they might be uh, trying to get themselves to the front of the queue to sign him, possibly a, with a loan, loaning him back to Belgium for the second half of the season and then bringing him in in the summer. Um, but other than that, not much going on in the Arsenal front. Nuno Tavares is being mentioned as possibly heading back to Marseille where he played last season on loan. He's at Nottingham Forest at the moment, struggling for game time there. Did play for them in the FA Cup against Nottingham Forest, uh, sorry, against Blackpool in the replay in the week. Didn't do too well. Saw Nottingham Forest fans on Twitter <laughs> slating his performance a little bit. But Le reporting now that Marseille are looking at potentially bringing him back, whether that be on loan or a permanent deal. We'll have to wait and see. Did do well at Marseille. Had a good spell at Marseille last summer, um, uh, last season. Tailed off a little bit. Had a really good start. Scored some goals for them. But he played, made lots of appearances for them and, uh, they've just sold Lodi, haven't they, to Saudi Arabia and they're looking at bringing in a, a, a left back or two to make up for that. And Tavares is on the list, according to LeKeep. So that's something we'll keep an eye on. Um, would mean Arsenal recalling him, obviously, from his spell at Forest or Forest um, sending him back to Arsenal. And I did see a report from, um, uh, I think it was the Athletic, wasn't it, that Forest are going to look at a couple of the loan deals that they've got. Um, so wait and see what happens with Nuno. Other than that, it's all quiet on the Arsenal front. I'm sure, we'll find out a little bit more from Mikel Arteta later on today about whether anything could happen between now and the end of the window. Uh, one player who Arsenal no, were linked with last summer, didn't sign him. He's ended up at West Ham. Had a lot of messages like this. Obviously, Kuda scored two great goals yesterday. Um, or one great goal and one slightly deflected goal in Ghana. That was a crazy second half. Ghana versus Egypt over at AFCON. Finished two-two. Kuda scoring both goals for for Ghana. And um, I've had a lot of comments from people like this here said, Arsenal made a big mistake not signing Kudas. So we linked the whole summer, but ended up with Havertz. Kudas was much cheaper, And now we see how he's impacting West Ham. What a mistake uh, for Arteta not to sign him. I, I don't quite kind of get the whole Havertz thing. Why Havertz needs to be mentioned in this? Because, you know, I, I would have liked Kudas. I said it at the time. I thought that would have been a smart sign in and everything I've seen from him since he's come to West Ham. Nothing's changed my mind about that. Um, clearly a really talented player, And I think he would have been great at Arsenal. But I don't see why Havertz sort of comes into it. Because at the end of the day, Arsenal had to sign a replacement for Granit Xhaka. And as good as Kudus is, he wasn't a replacement for Granit Xhaka. He was not going to play in a sort of left eight role. You know, he can play maybe as a 10, but certainly out wide. But he's not going to play in a left-sided midfield role. Um, And so I don't see why sort of Havertz gets thrown into the conversation when it comes to um, Kudus because Arsenal had to sign someone to replace Granit Xhaka that money had to be spent somewhere they went with with Havertz um, and whatever your views on that I don't really see why Kudus is kind of linked into it because they even if they'd assigned signed someone else to play in that left-sided eight role not Havertz they still wouldn't have been able to sign Kudus because the money would have been spent on that left eight role if you if you see what I mean so it's yeah look as frustrating as it was not to 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 get him, and I think it is frustrating because I think he would made a real big impact Arsenal, and he would have provided a lot of competition and um, and cover for the wide men as well, and especially right now, you know, when they're struggling, you could have really used him. But I don't, I don't really know why. It, sort of, you look at the the Havertz signing as a as a. Thing against that move because I just think Arsenal had to sign a left-sided eight and they went with him. Um, Pete here, I, I wanted to respond to this because he responded to inside Arsenal extra time myself and James Ben yesterday. Saying, it's generally wild that every time you say Kai's name, you guys have to take a shot at him. Everyone else gets a pass, but you guys laugh at Kai all the time. It's so frustrating. The things you say the fans are maybe getting on him too much is coming from people in your position, including you guys. It's just a bad look. Very uh, I think that's goals and assists focused analysis. He deserves less slander for this channel. It's um. Yeah, which sort of is an interesting one. I mean, I get, it's like, I, I don't know, I can't really win when it comes to Havertz because I get so many people commenting and saying, you're defending Havertz too much. You're defending him far too much. You're giving him a pass. It's Arsenal PR, blah, 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 blah. And then I get people like Pete here, who, who seems to think I'm slandering Havertz and I would never want to slander kind of habits. And I've, I've stood up for Havertz a lot, I think. Um, I, I think it's fair to question the sign-in. I think 100% it's fair to question the sign-in um I think he's been much much better I think he's given Arsenal a, lo- a lot more than he had in the last sort of six weeks or so and I think I would have liked to have seen him more as a central striker but um I think it's definitely right to question the sign or fair to question the sign-in at this point it was a big big sign-in big big money for replacing a big big player in Granit Xhaka and I don't think it's worked yet um but that's not slander that's just opinion um but I think he's done very well at times as well and I've said plenty of times he has done very well. So yeah, it's just an interesting one now. I don't I feel like I can't really win. Um which is the way when it comes to football analysis and opinion. You've always got people on two different sides. But yeah, I don't think I think it's a bit harsh, Pete, to say uh slander when it comes to Kai Havertz. It's just uh it's just opinion more than slander. But uh that's just me the way I think of it. And here's one from um uh Lanzaravec or Lane Lane's Sorry if I've got that totally wrong. I uh, said you'd start with Havertz in midfield against Palace as he was one putting the ball in the net before he had that one game banned. Being Palace at home, I think he gives us an added goal threat uh, that when we would have with both Rice and Jorginho playing. Charles, what was your first memory of an Arsenal match? Mine was uh, second of the 12th, 1990, Arsenal 3, Liverpool 2, uh, Liverpool nil was televised on ITV. On that last point, I was at that match, I think. I haven't gone and looked at it yet, but that 3-0, I'm sure that was the game where Third goal was scored by Smudger from Merce. Did a really clever back heel front uh, when Arsenal kicking towards North Bank. Right towards the end of the game, his last few minutes, Merce did a brilliant back heel and Smith ran onto it from the angle and drove it into the far corner in front of the North Bank. Brilliant, brilliant goal. Uh, And yeah, I was in the Junior Gunners section in front of the West Stand watching that game. Brilliant game. Um, And yeah, brilliant season. And that was uh, when Arsenal showed just how much better than Liverpool were uh, than Liverpool they were that season as they went on to win the title, of course, for the second time in three years under George Graham. My first memory of Arsenal match, I think I have vague memories of the 87 League Cup final, the Charlie Nicholas final against Liverpool. But my first proper vivid memories of Arsenal were the, was the 90, uh, was the 88 League Cup final, unfortunately defeat when Arsenal lost 3-2 against Luton at Wembley. I've, I remember that game so vividly. I wasn't there. I was upset that I didn't go. My dad went, but he thought I was too young to go to the match. So I watched it on TV, lost 3-2 cried my eyes out my mum sent me to my bedroom because I said I wanted to kill Nigel Winterburn because he missed a penalty to make it 3-1 and uh yeah I've just got that game and my emotion sort of scarred into my brain from it I think that's my first real proper memory of Arsenal although I do have slight vague recollections of the cup final the year before when Arsenal won uh against Liverpool but the Luton one's far more prominent in my mind in terms of the first comment the Havertz one yeah look as I said I wouldn't I, I think that's probably what Mikel will do and I, I think it's I as I I kind of taught myself out of it like I you know I really liked Jorginho and Rice playing together but I do think like I get your point you know when you're at home to a struggling Palace side do you want that is is playing Jorginho and Rice together really needed is it a little bit too safe do you want the added goal threat and like you said you know Havertz was scoring goals before his ban and um he does that he does give you that goal threat and like i said i thought he played very well against liverpool he just didn't score uh, he didn't finish well enough but if he does this time if he gets those chances again you'd hope he would score this time around so interesting one but thanks very much for your uh for your comments there and this is the last one from justin it says hi charles don't you think party returns at right back instead of partnering rice um in midfield I hope not. That's all I can say. I really, really hope not. Uh, the one thing that worries me a little bit about that possibility is Mikel the other day when he talked about Party's injury, how it robbed him. He, and he said, if, I think one of the questions in a press conference was, Have we seen, really seen this season, what your plans were for the team? And he said, You saw it for one game. And that's obviously in response to the fact that Timber got injured and Timber not playing it, being able to play. And in that game, Party was playing it right back. And it does worry me a little bit is that his thinking was for the season or certainly for a large, for some of the games to, to use that option of Thomas party at right back um, quite a lot. And that worries me because I don't like that option at all. And I want to see Thomas party when he's back fit. I want to see him playing in midfield. So I think in the big games, as we saw in the community shield, Rice and party will play together in midfield. I think that's pretty obvious, but in some of the other games, maybe would, would we see party at right back like we did earlier on the season I feel like I probably would, given what Mikel Arteta said the other day, but it's not something that I would want to see, put it that way. Um, But that's it for me, everyone, today. Thank you very much for your time, as always. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Like I said, hopefully there will be another show a little bit later on today, a much shorter one, just giving updates from London Colney after Mikel Arteta's press conference. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But until then, have a very good Friday, everyone. Speak to you soon. (laughs) Bye-bye.